Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who just five years into my legal career found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. So that I didn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided it was time to redefine success from the inside out. Fast forward a few years and it worked. I had a thriving legal career balanced with a fulfilling life. What I learned is that you can achieve the success you want without sacrificing yourself in the process. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hey there, y'all. This is Heather Mulder, host of the Life in Law Podcast, and I'm so happy to have you with me here today. Today, we are going to get into the top 10 selling mistakes that I see lawyers making all the time. I see it in my business clients when they first come to me. I see it online. I see it constantly. And I've frankly seen it my entire career back when I was an attorney. And truth be told, I made some of these mistakes early on and had to learn the hard way. And these are big mistakes because they sabotage your sales efforts. They basically undermine you and prevent you from getting your clients or as much work as you could, okay? Now, before I dive right into this, I want to make clear that yes, today is clearly about selling. It's about an issue that primarily comes up for attorneys in private practice or if you're not an attorney and you have a service-based business where you do have to ask for business and or sell, this would apply to you too. If you are not in that position, you're probably thinking, well, you know, don't need to listen to this. I actually challenge you to listen anyway because I think some of the things I'm going to be talking about today are applicable in other areas of our lives as well. I mean, the fact of the matter is we sell all the time. We sell our ideas in-house. We sell our positions. We sell to family, friends, loved ones, all kinds of people all the time. And no, not every one of these mistakes are going to be applicable in those situations, but I think some of them are. And I challenge you to listen to this and think about, okay, how does how might this apply to me in what in what areas of my life, in my work, in my personal life, okay? So don't just, you know, think, oh, I'll just be back next week. I challenge you to make it applicable to you or as applicable to you as you can. All right. So I hear from a lot of people, especially female attorneys, occasionally a guy will say this, but most of, most of my female clients who come to me for business coaching at some point in time say, Heather, I hate selling. I don't like asking for business. It feels awkward. Sometimes I feel sleazy. I've heard my, you know, some of my colleagues sell and it seems really pressure oriented and I just, I can't do it. And if that's what it's about, then I'm out. I don't want to be doing this. Maybe private practice isn't really going to work for me. I want you to put the brakes on that if that if you've ever thought that or you've been thinking that, okay? Because selling does not have to be sleazy. It does not have to be pressure-filled. It can be very service-oriented. And in fact, I would challenge you as you listen to today's episode to think about how do I shift my overarching mindset around selling as a lawyer? And instead of thinking of it, of it as I'm trying to get somebody to pay me money to hire me, Flip that script and think of it as, I really just want to help them. 
You became an attorney for a reason. You serve your clients well. Think of prospective clients of people that you are wanting to ask for business, that you think you could get good business from. Think of them as somebody you just want to help. They're really no different than your clients other than the fact that they don't pay you yet. But you should approach them with the same mentality, with the same mindset. That is really going to get you into a better place overall. And also, before I get into these 10 mistakes, I do want to mention a couple of other things. Number one, I interviewed a while back now a former client, Alicia Voltmer, about this very thing. And it's something that just comes up so often that I wanted to get her on because she was incredibly representative of my typical female business client who comes to me saying, I don't like selling. What she learned, though, after working together was that she could utilize her own strengths and sell and ask for business in a way that was very natural, very organic, something that just felt very her, that fit perfectly within her own personality. And she is a rock star in her farm. She's with uh, the firm I used to be with, Greenberg Traurig, and I know she's doing incredibly well, and she's been incredibly successful, and she does not sell in a pressure-filled way. So if somebody like her, and I've got numerous stories like this, if someone like her can completely do a 180, so can you. And the reason that I'm pointing out these mistakes are not to call you out on them. They are to help you identify where you're making them, which ones you're making, why you're making them, so that you can start changing that mindset that I've already talked about, okay? It's important to understand when, where, and how these show up for you if you want to change them. And then I'm also going to talk to you about what can you do instead? Like, how do you rethink this? How do you reapproach it? Before I get into the top 10, and I probably could have done more, but these are the ones I see probably the most often, and so I wanted to tackle them today. I'm not 100% sure at the time of this recording whether Elevate will still be open when you're listening to this, but it might be. Um, Elevate, in case you don't know, is my business development mastermind. It is for attorneys who want to grow or build their own book of business, or maybe they are building law firms. I've had solo attorneys wanting to grow into an actual law firm. I've had big law partners in Elevate. I've had people in small and large practices. You name it, the gamut is there. If you are serious about growing your book of business or growing your practice or growing your firm, or maybe you want to pivot into a new area and you would like more support. I hear all the time how lawyers feel so isolated. We often feel like we don't have enough people we can trust that we want to open up to, which is really a bad thing because you need to be talking to people. (laughs) Whether it's in a mastermind or you are putting your own support network together, you need to be talking to peers, colleagues, mentors, et cetera, who you can trust, where you can go and talk out your problems, your issues that you're running up against, and brainstorm solutions. That's what a mastermind is all about. It gives you that opportunity to brainstorm, to bring the issues you're really challenged with, And then get that support so you don't feel so isolated. If Elevate is something that sounds interesting to you, I will put a link in the show notes. Again, I'm not 100% sure whether it'll be filled or not. I curate this 
to uh, make sure that all the group members really are a good fit together, their strengths, their goals, even their weaknesses, their values. And so there is an interview process. You do have to fill out a form. Only go there if you're interested. But I highly recommend it if this is something that sounds of interest to you. And um, if it is not open anymore, then I will be putting another group together later this year. So you could then join the waitlist. You will either find a way to sign up for the waitlist or you will find a way to apply and get an interview on the calendar within the next couple of weeks. So there's my plug for you for the day. Let's get into the top 10 selling mistakes that I see lawyers making all the time that are sabotaging your potential sales. So mistake number one is you go in with the mindset of I have to. I have to sell. I have to pressure. I have to. And this even happens in networking, by the way. I have to be on. I have to impress. I have to say, no, you don't have to do anything. What happens when we go in with this have to mindset, whether it be we're going to a lunch with somebody we've been wooing for a while and we want to ask for their business, or we're going to a networking event and we're just talking to people that we're first meeting. When you have this mentality, you come off as super desperate. You are not there to sell. Regardless of whether you're going to ask for business, you could be going into a beauty contest where you're giving kind of the whole song and dance. There is no reason for you to go in with the have-to mindset. Instead, just show up as you. I mentioned this earlier, but it's really important to get this through. Think of this meeting, think of this lunch, think of this event, think of this whatever it is, phone call, as no different than when you're speaking to somebody you already represent. You're showing up to serve in whatever way you can. Service first. This will be a game changer for you if you go in with that mentality as opposed to the pressure, have to mentality that makes you desperate. And when you come off as desperate, that's when our mind takes over in really bad ways and has us kind of doing these weird pressure-filled techniques that we don't even feel comfortable with, we don't even want to be doing. And then they do come off as salesy, pushy, sleazy. So number one, change your mindset. Number two, and this is related but a little bit different, you see selling as persuasion. Selling is not about forcing somebody to take what you're trying to sell, sell to them, okay? That's what I mean by that. We see selling in general oftentimes as a bad thing. And I hear this all the time from lawyers. I went to law school to learn the profession, to learn how to think like a lawyer, not to sell because selling is bad. No, <laughs> no. Selling is not about convincing somebody they need you, they have to have you. Selling is really about providing a service or product to somebody who actually wants and needs it. The want and need is already there. You're just showing up as you, again, show up as you like you do to your clients and providing them with the information you think they need to make the best decision for them. So this is something that I've found really useful in my current business. It was very useful as a lawyer, but I'll tell you this was actually more useful as a coach now. 
And anybody out there listening who has worked with me knows this. You're probably going to laugh when you hear because you'll realize, like, I send somewhere between five and seven emails within the six weeks after I talk to somebody if they haven't signed up with me or said no. And then I continue to follow up thereafter, sometimes once a month, then I'll let go, then it'll be quarterly, then maybe every six months. And I'm not doing it because I'm wanting to hardcore bring them in and sell to them. I'm doing this because A, my people are incredibly busy. B, it's incredibly common for my clients to come to me when they feel at their utmost need, but then realize, okay, this is going to take a little more time and commitment. And yes, I'm interested, but I need to get it to a better place myself before I even hire her. And I need to find the time. And so oftentimes, they are interested, but they're not ready yet. And sometimes they're ready four to six weeks later. Sometimes they're ready four months later. Sometimes they're ready a year later. Well, I want to remind them that I'm here. And so, by the way, my emails and my follow-up are not super like, it's not like I'm sitting there hard selling them. It's, hey, have you given thought to this initially? What are your thoughts? What are your questions? What can I answer? And then sometimes I send them, hey, given the conversation we had, I know you're struggling with this. I have a podcast on that. I'd like to provide that to you. Those types of things. So I am serving them in the best way that I can as a reminder of it. Look, I'm still here when you're ready. I'm here to answer your questions if you have any. And so that when they are ready, they think of me. I wanted to share this with you so that you understand I'm not going into that as a, oh, they have to hire me. I'm going into that of, I want to answer your questions. I want to make sure you understand who I am and how I can help. I want to give you some resources that can help you in the meantime, which it gives them more insight into what coaching would look like with me. Sometimes that means they realize I'm not the right person, which is totally okay with me because I don't want them to hire me if I'm not the right person. I'm not going into it with, oh, I have to persuade them. I have to convince them to hire me. No. That's not what you do. Go into it as how can I serve them? Again, service first. Selling in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's just giving somebody an exchange of goods and services for money based on what somebody wants and or needs. That's it. Stop making it a bad thing. What makes it a bad thing is when you're trying to convince them or persuade them when you know they don't need it, don't want it. Or like putting on the massive pressure. That's the wrong thing. But selling is not. Okay. Next one. Mistake number three. Bad timing. So this would be too quick, too late. Now we all hear, don't ask too soon, right? And I think most lawyers don't actually fall into this. But I do want to say I have seen it upon occasion where You meet somebody and you hear they've got some big deal or case or something going on and you want to sell to them immediately. Eh, that's a little early, right? That's when it starts to come off as a little pushy and sleazy, maybe a lot pushy and sleazy, depending on how you do it. And so I wouldn't recommend that unless they bring it up or seem really receptive, like they want that. Like you do have to know how to read people. This is where emotional intelligence comes into play. And I do have an episode, if you're not sure where you lie and what emotional intelligence is and all the facets, I have an episode on that that I will link in the show notes that I highly recommend. Now, when I say too soon, 
I'm not just talking about timing, by the way. This is important. I think sometimes, and this is probably where I see this mistake made the most, we think that, well, I've known him for a year, a year and a half. Therefore, I can I can start putting on the pressure. Well, A, never put on pressure. But B, maybe you don't actually know them enough. So it's not so much about time from a um, clock perspective or a calendar perspective. It's about relationships. How good, how deep, how connected are you? Have you built a real relationship? I've known people who meet somebody at a networking event, go out to lunch two weeks later, go again or, you know, see each other again a couple of weeks later, and then all of a sudden business starts coming in. That's a very short time period, but they did incredible and impeccable follow-up. They kept up, and they really hit it off and built a strong, very quick relationship with them. I've also known people who meet somebody at a networking event, ask them to lunch, take them to lunch a month later, and then see them three or four times over the course of the next year at a networking event, but never really do follow-up, never bother to really build that real relationship. And they somehow think that because I've known them for so long, I should be getting business. No. So... Timing is really about timing needs to be right in respect of the relationship that has been built. Now, the other side of the coin on timing is not asking early enough. And this is actually where I see the biggest mistakes made, y'all. Because we get so uncomfortable with asking, we don't ask or we don't ask early enough. And so then you're losing out on all kinds of potential work. And sometimes you may lose out for a very long time or even forever because we all know there are certain clients out there who have big processes that they have to go through. And if you don't get it in the right timing, you may lose out at least for a long time until they're looking to hire counsel again. And that may not be for a long while. So you don't want to wait too long. And I see this a lot. It's a mental thing. It's, it's the people who feel like, well, I shouldn't have to ask or selling to them just feels weird or awkward. This is where those mindset shifts we've already talked about are incredibly helpful, okay? So change your mindset and realize that you don't want to ask too quickly, but it's really about build good relationships and then Figure out how to ask to take it further. That's really all you're doing when you're selling or you're asking for business. All right, let's move on to the next one. Number four is assuming. Assuming they know. Assuming they will ask you when they're ready. And or assuming they might not be able to afford you. So they sound like three things and they kind of are, but they go under the category of assumptions. I see lawyers making assumptions all the time. Don't assume. Stop with the assumptions. They don't know that you want to represent them unless you tell them that. It it may sound counterintuitive. Why are you taking them to lunch? Why are you doing all this? Well, don't assume. Sometimes they do know, but oftentimes they really don't think about it. And they certainly don't think about it enough. So do not assume they know. Number two, do not assume they're going to ask you when ready. They are assuming you're going to bring it up. Okay? (laughs) So if you want to make the sale, you got to be the one to stop assuming. And then the third assumption of they can't afford you, maybe that's true, but maybe it's not. 
I will tell you the number of clients I've had who've made that assumption, and after we start working together, I said, stop assuming that and start approaching them. The number of times they've realized to their surprise that they were wrong are many. And the other thing I'd say is oftentimes what happens is maybe you are, maybe they can't afford you yet in their stage of business. This happens a lot with startups or smaller companies, but you're planting a seed and you want to keep those relationships going and plant those seeds. Make them know you're interested. Let them know the types of things you could help them with. Maybe you are not the attorney for their everyday stuff, but only for certain things that are you know, they're, that they would be willing to have a higher budget for. Maybe they'll grow into you. You never know. The other thing I would say is you're building relationships with individuals, not just companies. If you are an attorney for in a firm that represents companies or other organizations, and those people move around. So the relationships that you develop and the way that you ask and the way that you plant seeds – can reap big rewards, not necessarily for their current employer, but when they move on. Because people move on all the time. Don't assume. All right. Mistake number five. Telling, not showing. I'm going to give you two examples to show you what I'm talking about. And this is from real life. This is from when I was an associate, a young associate at my first law firm. Attorney A and Attorney B. So I would go to lunch with both of these partners. One of these attorneys had a very big book of business. The other one had an okay book of business. The okay book of business partner would go to lunch, would talk a lot about herself, and would tell them all of the great experience that she had, kind of in a very generalized manner. It was very cringe-all, and it was very awkward and uncomfortable. This is where a lot of the discomfort comes from. It's in the way that you talk about yourself. It's in the way we think that we have to tell, oh, I've done all these X number of types of deals or I represent, you know, um, these types of people in these types of cases all the time. And we make these, these statements that don't give specifics. Attorney B, who was much more successful and had a much bigger book of business, would go to lunch with prospects, would ask a lot of questions would listen intently, and then anytime somebody said something that sparked a memory on a deal that he had done that was similar, you know, I've seen that before. We had a deal where, and he would explain kind of the gist of what was going on, what they dealt with, and how he solved the problem. That's showing. You're telling a story, you're painting a picture, and you're showing very clearly what your expertise is and what you bring to the table without bragging. That's what I mean when I say, show, don't tell. It's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly effective. And it's not awkward at all. Let's move on to mistake number six, faking it. You've all heard this fake it till you make it. And that's often said in respect of confidence. But where I actually see this hurting people a lot. And sadly, I've seen this throughout my career and not so much in coaching because when my clients come to me, they don't do this. (laughs) But I've seen, I saw this a lot back when I practiced and I know people still do it. We like to pretend we know more than we do. We like to pretend we're experts in new areas, especially when we're trying to pivot our practices 
or we are, you know, um, getting into a brand new area that's just kind of an up and comer, you want to show that you're an expert and yet you're not. Do not use fake it till you make it in that way. You want to be honest. You want to be upfront. It goes a lot further. People figure out you're faking it usually pretty quickly. Do not fake it. That will completely undermine you and create a brand you don't want. And by the way, y'all, branding is really what do others say about you? That's your brand. And the brand is created by how you hold yourself at networking events with prospects, how you treat your clients, how you show up in the courtroom. All of those things create your brand. How you sell and ask for business is part of that. Let's go on to mistake number seven. Talking too much, trying to fill space. There is something about the pause that everybody gets awkward with. Don't feel awkward about pauses. Pauses are actually very good. Some quietness in the conversation can be really good. It allows people to process what's been said. It allows people to step back and think. You do not have to constantly feel fill the space, okay? And when we do, we tend to get in trouble because that's when I see we get we get like nervous about that silence. And so then we try to oversell ourselves. That's when faking it sometimes comes in or it gets awkward or pushy because we think we just, you know, we kind of word vomit something out. Don't do it. It's okay when you're at a networking event when you're with clients that you're trying to get more work from, when you're at a lunch where it's a prospect and you want to ask for their business, it's okay for there to be some pauses and some silence in there, especially after you've asked. Don't immediately ask, hey, can we take this further? Or I'd really like to work with you. How can we make that happen? If there's a long pause, don't fill it. Wait until they actually answer your questions. Give them time to think. Give them time to process. Give them time to respond. The awkwardness comes with the filling of the space, not the pause itself. Mistake number eight, criticizing without contributing. This is when you badmouth others. And I think it's a big no-no, generally speaking, okay? You do not want to tell a prospect or even a current client that's using another law firm on other matters that the advice or guidance they got is terrible, bad, no good, unless you can truly back it up. Pure criticism without giving them insight as to what could be better and why, i.e. some free service advice, is off-putting. It makes it look like you just criticize and might not be a reputable attorney. And if you do criticize, be careful in how you do it. There is a way to do it where it doesn't come off as you're being, you know, super critical or just trying to downgrade the other attorneys, you could say, you know, I guess that's one way to do it. I hadn't thought about it that way, but here's how I would approach it. I think this would be a better approach, that kind of a thing. Don't overtly go out there and say, oh, that's wrong, or they did it wrong, or you got bad advice, unless it's truly terrible. I mean, there are some instances where you might need or want to say that, right? But a lot of times there aren't. And so you want to be careful in how you criticize advice that's given by other attorneys. It's kind of similar to this show, Don't Tell. 
Show them, lead them along the right path. Show them how you are different. Don't just tell them that the others aren't very good. Okay, now we get to another one that probably seems obvious, but I'm just going to put it in here because I've unfortunately seen this happen upon occasion. And that's not delivering what was promised. Now, you might think, Heather, that's not a sales technique. That's a service issue. And it is a service issue, very, very obviously, right? But you've worked so hard to bring in a new client. Be very careful about what you promise them. Because they will take you and throw it right back in your face if you promise something you cannot deliver. Be honest with them about that. Because if you can't deliver what you promised, that is going to hurt your brand, it's going to hurt your reputation, and it is going to hurt you in the eyes of that client. And it undermines future sales because if you represent organizations, one of the easiest ways to grow your business is to get more work from a current client. So be really mindful about what you promise, how you promise it, and make sure you deliver everything you said you would and more. Again, that seems self-explanatory, but I have seen people fall down there, especially in promising results that you don't have full control over, right? Don't do that. All right, finally, mistake number 10. You treat a no as a no forever, not a no for now. Let me just tell you that a no is almost always a no for now not a no forever, unless they tell you, yeah, it's never going to happen. And even then, that's sometimes not true. Understand that you may have to ask more than once. You may be in need of planting the seed numerous times before they will start to send you actual business. I like to think of asking for business as a seed planting. Sometimes they immediately say yes, and it pops up immediately. But oftentimes I say, I can't, or I can't right now, or I'm appreciative, but not, you know, no for now or something, right? Okay, don't take that as a no forever. Keep the relationship going. Again, unless they tell you no, it's never going to happen. Keep the relationship going. Keep planting those seeds. Keep watering the relationship. And eventually, you will find your chance. So those are the top 10 selling mistakes I see lawyers make that are sabotaging your efforts. My hope for you is that you can identify which ones you're making and how to start making changes so that selling can become something you don't dread, you don't feel awkward about, you don't think of as sleazy or pushy, but you can develop your own sales technique that's unique to you and feels good to you and is mostly just you showing up to be of service. That's it for today. We will be talking again next week with a special guest. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life and Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow and or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both life and law, including the Life and Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.